Hey friend, we just wanted to pop over and remind you of all of the freebies that we have on our website at hustlehumblypodcast.com slash resources. There are quite a few on there. They work for buyers and sellers, for your business, all different things you might need and all for free. Mm -hmm. Alyssa, which one is your favorite? My favorite freebie is the due diligence checklist. Oh, that's a good one and Mm -hmm. so impactful for your buyers. Mm -hmm. It's a great email template. It's a really good one. Uh, My favorite is probably staging checklist. Mm -hmm. I want my sellers to have those houses looking good. Yes, yes. So head over and see which ones you would like to download or get them all. Enjoy. The following episode is an interview with Carl Carter Jr., who recounts the circumstances and details surrounding his mother's death. This material may not be suitable for all audiences. Hi, y'all. Welcome to Hustle Humbly. It's Alyssa and Katie, and we are two top producing realtors in the Baton Rouge market working for two different companies where we should be competitors, but we have chosen community over competition. The goal of our podcast is to show you hustle can be healthy when you have the humility to do it your way. So stop comparing yourself and start embracing your strengths. This um, episode is number, what did I say? Six. This is number six, and it is going to air on September 16th. So that is during Realtor Safety Month, and we chose that specifically. You know, we wanted to touch on these topics during that time frame. But Carl, we're going to let you kind of introduce yourself and, and let us know who you are. Okay, well, I'm so honored to be able to talk to you guys this afternoon. Uh, my name is Carl Carter, and I am a realtor in the Little Rock, Arkansas area. And um, I always say that none of that is important. Um, what is what is most important is that I am my mother's son. Um, my, uh, my sweet mom was Beverly Carter. And uh, unfortunately, um, and coincidentally, uh, during Realtor Safety Month five years ago, my mom was was kidnapped while showing property and was ultimately murdered. Um, and so what an honor to be able to talk to you guys today about uh, ways that agents can stay safe and, and hopefully learn from what happened to my sweet mom. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one question we had when we were looking up all of our information, we, we didn't know if she started Realtor Safety Month because it happened in September. We didn't know how long Realtor Safety Month had even been around. Yeah, so she certainly catapulted it to, to a different level. So after, after my mom, um, so another coincidence was that, um, you know, this happened to my mom in the fall of 2014. And so going into 2015, NAR's president was actually from Arkansas. Oh. And so he really took on the the platform of safety and took the whole like NAR.org forward slash safety, like built out all those resources um, in kind of in response to my mom. So certainly appreciative of that. Yeah, for sure. That is amazing that someone from Arkansas was the president at that time. Oh, crazy. Yeah. So we're, our podcast does attract a lot of new agents, and we are approaching your mom's five-year anniversary. Do you mind sharing the story, just kind of the details that you have of it? I know she had some systems in place, because I remember she had some friends that she had told where she was going, and can you just unfold the story for us of what happened that day? Yeah, I, um, I'd be happy to, um, and I'll tell you. Um, especially for those of you new agents that may be you know, listening in to this, um, it's important 
and I think you guys would echo this, that we use this as a learning opportunity and not as a uh, platform to scare you or make you afraid of this wonderful industry. Um, My mom would certainly give me a thump on the head for that. So um, it's all about raising education and awareness. So um, that being said, I would, I would love to just start by telling you a little bit about who she was. Yes. Um, She was uh, at the broker level here in, in Arkansas and she, she had been in the business for a while. She was she was a seasoned agent. Uh, she was seen as one of the top producers in, in the central Arkansas area consistently. And then at times uh, within the top 10 within the entire state of Arkansas. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And so, um, you know, it's always funny because as I have opportunities to travel North America and talk about mom, you know, I, you know, people find it hard to believe that there are more than 10 agents in the state of Arkansas. <laughs> Like, believe it or not, there are 8,000 of us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but she was so good. And you know, she's just one of those, like, so since my mom's passing, um, my family's gotten into real estate. And so we felt, like, how hard it can be to right. break into this industry. Mm-hmm. So tough. And um, we look back, you know, to us, she was just mom. But we look back at how successful she was. And it's like, gosh. How did um, she do this? How did she do this? And so, you know, let's start there. Um, So let's start with with safety tip number one. Regardless of how many transactions you've had, regardless of what is in your checking account right now, and I can promise you if you saw mine, you would just get a good giggle out of it, um, is that regardless of any of that, there is a public perception that people in this industry are wildly successful and wildly rich. And, you know, it's, it's common practice among, you know, we see the real estate memes and we hear the real estate coaches and different things. And they say, you know, fake it till you make it. And um, that's what sales industries can be all about. So we, we certainly put our best face forward and we drive cool cars um, and all that. So there is that. And that was the case with my mom. Uh, my mom was targeted because, and this is the bad guy himself has said this a number of times, that he my they they chose my mom because she was and i quote um, a rich broker that worked alone well by kind of societal standards of what people think about real estate agents that applies to all of us right Mm -hmm. Um, because they had no idea you know that my mom like so many of us lived uh, commission check to commission check and so whenever you know yeah you know looking back on it and i've done you know interviews and and people are always like people outside our industry are a little like they're they're like well I mean aren't you kind of asking for trouble if you're doing marketing and, mm-hmm. and you have billboards and you have right. this and, that? and I'm like no welcome to real estate it's what we do right um, so um, that being said um, we let's all start this 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 podcast off by just acknowledging the fact that any of us can be a target literally any of us yeah. Um, One thing about my mom's case that I think is important is, you know, when we talk about simple ways to to keep ourselves safe, we always want to say, hey, make use of the resources that you have available to you. And so that could be like Google your client, um, see if they have a Facebook account and if it's public and, you know, if they're out there and you find them, you know, do they seem a little unhinged, you know, whatever it may be, not just um that you may be trying to assess if they're a bad guy. You might just kind of be trying to assess their temperament. And it's it's an eerie thought that, and, and it's true, like for in my mom's case, 
after they caught this husband and wife that, that kidnapped my mom and murdered my mom, um, they, they got their laptop that, that from their home, and it was part of the evidence that was presented in the trial, and found within the search history of that laptop was Google searches related to my mom. They had gone to my mom's Facebook profile and dug all around in there, and they saw things like vacation photos. And we hear, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, but I've heard the safety tips about being careful what you share online because mm-hmm. it can give the perception that, that um, you know, they, that you're wealthier than you are. And we, I'll admit, we had this, this um, tradition of every... Um, you know, we're just north of you guys. So it's like every, um, you know, every summer we would make, you know, the trek down to what we call the Redneck Riviera. (laughs) And, you know, it was nothing fancy. I mean, my goodness, it was just like such a humble little beach vacation. But to to these bad guys, like that was one of the things that they had dug around in and it could have been part of their decision. And and isn't that weird? weird. And and it's, it's also like a little troubling because so many of us in real estate, our, and even mine today with this, um, you know, being, you know, my experience with my mom, like my Facebook profile is 100% public because yeah. I like to be accessible to those that I seek to serve. And so I have to be mindful and very judicious in what I'm posting. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm posting my five-year-old at, you know, soccer practice, then I need to, to really make, okay, let's think, let's think who could be looking at this and um, lock this puppy down. So. Um, but back to my mom's story, um, they, they had done a number of those uh, Google, Facebook searches. They'd also gone to property records um, and searched and found the, the property value of my, mom, um, my mom's home. And so they built out this entire scenario that this, this real estate agent was like so rich when she wasn't, but they certainly thought she was. So they formulated this plan to, to kidnap her and hold her for ransom. And their plan was to get all of this, you know, all of this perceived wealth from, from my dad. And I'll admit, you know, evidence, although I don't know the details of it, we do know from the investigators that, that this husband and wife, when they were seeking um, people, loan workers, people that work alone, that, that they could kidnap and hold for ransom, they, they, they actually did a little bit of research. It wasn't just real estate that they were interested in. They were also looking at multi-level marketing um, and, uh, you know, traveling nurses can be at risk. And we, so we know that there was, they had a bit of a list going. Wow. And while we may never know, you know, my mom specifically, you know, we do know that she was well known within our community as being a successful agent. But, um, if, if I may, I'd love to, to kind of step back two weeks before that showing yeah. that yes. day where she was kidnapped. Um, and really, I, I would encourage anybody listening to this, like, put yourself in this, this, this scenario right now. You, your phone rings, and first conversation you have with, with this new, um, you know, it's an exciting new lead. You're talking to both husband and wife. Before long, you're emailing both husband and wife. You're texting both husband and wife. So you have phone calls, text, and emails. And their story is, you know, we need to get into a property quickly. We love those scenarios. Right. They're cash buyers, faster closings, loving it. Um, and then, um, you know, they uh, 
relocating due to work, really need to get into property quickly. Um, and so, you know, my mom is, is talking to both husband and wife, and it really, in a lot of ways, seems like a kind of a dream scenario, right? Because you're just like, this is, this is good. Um, and really, if we can pause for a moment, um, for those of you that, that may be familiar with my mom's story, or if you're not, go look up, you know, Beverly Carter and see if you can find photographs of this couple. And I don't mean the photographs from them from the trial where they, you know, everybody, you know, looks bad in a jumpsuit sure. right. um, yeah. or behind bars. But look at them in their everyday. I mean, this was a young, attractive couple um, that my mom had built a relationship with and was really seeking to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom back in the day, it's so funny. Like, I think that you guys will laugh at this. Like, I used to give my mom the hardest time because she kept, like, all of these paper files and all of her, her clients. <laughs> right. And she had, like, these huge filing cabinets in her office, like, row after row. And uh, I'd be like, Mom, you know, at that time it was 2014. I was like, Mom, get with the times. Right. And um, now that I'm in real estate, I keep a paper file. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Right. Um, but you know, it, you know, one of the most damning pieces of evidence within, within the trial itself was that paper file because my mom, while she's getting to know them, she'd actually gone through the process of utilizing, you know, it was, it was informal, but it was certainly documented on who are these people? What is their contact information? What are they looking for in a home? And, um, she had had these conversations and moreover, and kind of to the point that you mentioned earlier, she um, she was really trying to find them a home quickly. Yeah. So she had talked this couple up in the, within her own brokerage because she was like, hey, guys, if you know of anything about to hit the market, please let me know. So it's like it, when mom went missing, like it was weird because this wasn't one of those deals that you're just kind of doing and, you know, you just kind of suffer through it, you know, silently. Right. Like literally everyone in her office knew about this couple. Um, and like so many of us in real estate, God bless the people that, that, um, that we partner with because, you know, our spouses and boyfriend, girlfriend, they have to hear, you know, all the ins and outs of our real estate deals and, uh, good, bad, and indifferent. And, um, my, my poor dad, you know, I mean, he had just gone, you know, he knew, he knew so much about, and, and people were a little bit surprised by that. Like the investigators and different people are like, wait, when Beverly went missing, I mean, how do you know that she was working with these people? So um, really good um, safety reminders there. It's mm-hmm. it's always good if you to build relationships, not only within your brokerage, but within your family unit, uh, your friends, your support group, to um, so that people know where you are and who you're working with. And I think back to what technology looked like and you know GPS sharing, uh, sharing services, what we have access to on these these uh, phones. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's so much more advanced in just five years, and how we can share with with those that we love. Um, but I, I'll say um, something that I think that's important about this story is that although all of these these great things that happened and that it's all progressing nicely and something happens and my mom gets a uh, she gets a call from the husband one day and he says we want to see this specific property 
And what what was a little, um, I'll just use the word funny or odd about that particular property is my mom was very well familiar with this property. This property was bank owned, had been foreclosed on a long time ago. There had been issues of squatters. There have been, I mean, there have been issues of people getting in there. You know, it's like those properties have been sitting so long that, and it's so unguarded that people are like getting there to rip out the copper and yes. just what was once a gorgeous home is now just dilapidated almost. Right. Um, so not only, so factor in that, that kind of, I'm not trying to waste my time showing you this property because gross. Right. Um, but also this, um, I want to counter that with, this was actually essentially my mom's neighborhood. Uh, my parents lived on Lakefront property and just around the lake was where this property was located. Just a few doors down was where uh, my mom's pastor lived. Um, although this home was in a state of disarray from, from the photographs that were, and there was just a handful of them, um, available online at that point. Um, it really didn't seem like that bad of a house. Um, you, you certainly couldn't tell from the exterior that, that it was in the trouble that it was in. Um, you know, large half acre lots on the lake, you know, whenever I'm presenting in, in person, I like to show people that, that home with the property description with these fancy flowy words from an agent Mm -hmm. you know to sell this house and i'm like guys all it takes is one appointment Mm -hmm. one showing and that's a harsh reality and it's uncomfortable for us especially when we think about those of us that are in the business 24 7 like thinking about okay wow it it really only takes one it only took one for beverly but back to my mom, whenever she got that request to see that property, you know, to show that property that day, she, um, it was a red flag for her. And we'll never know exactly why. It could be because she knew that the house was in a state of disarray. It could have been the tone of, of the husband. Um, but, you know, whatever you call it, that gut instinct, the spidey sense, whatever it was, something wasn't right. And so she did something, and I love this safety tip. In the moment, in that phone call, she made up a company policy. So there were no policies on safety back then, um, within her brokerage anyway. And so she said, you know, hey, I'm so sorry, but company policy prohibits me from showing property alone in a rural area. And so brilliant, right? You know, yeah. if you don't have your words, you don't necessarily feel empowered, just throw it back on the brokerage. Sure. Um, and I, don't, I can't think of a brokerage across the country that I've had the opportunity to talk to that would ever be against that. What my mom didn't anticipate, and back to that whole, you know, kind of profiling, what does a bad guy look like? Um, you can't do that. Right. Because a bad guy doesn't take a particular shape or a particular right. gender. Um, I would have been totally like let my guard down the moment that it was a husband and a wife. Oh, and so many people, you're not alone in that. Like I would have too. We just don't associate violent crimes with women. I mean, we just do not. Um, and so what that husband did in that moment is that he turns the phone, you know, hands the phone over essentially to the wife and says, and she's like, Hey girl, I'm going to be there too. I'm going to be coming straight from work. Would your company be cool with that? Mm. And, um, and she's like, well, like so many of us would. She was like, well, sure, I'll, I'll meet you guys there. And um, undoubtedly gave them some warnings about the property. Uh, we do know that she did alert them that there was no utilities, that they would have to meet at 6 p.m. before it got dark. Um, 
And so the day came, and I'll tell you guys, I remember it like it was yesterday. Like it was a gorgeous, you know, it was September um, 25th. And so it was like finally the heat had started to kind of go away. You know, it was getting cooler at nights, and it was just, it was a Thursday. And so they were going to meet at 6 p.m. And um, my mom had had a day like, every real estate agent ever. It's like she had a sales meeting at the office and she had gone in and she won 50 bucks on a raffle. So that was exciting. <laughs> she, um, she called my dad and she's like, and you know, you can almost hear like my mom is so like energetic and chipper yeah. and lovely, but, um, but you can almost hear the tone in her voice. Like we don't know what she said to my dad, but, but we do like, it was probably something like, Hey, just got a sales meeting. I've got to show property to this couple. I swear to God, if I do not find them a property soon, I'm going to lose my mind. Right. <laughs> you know, something like that. But, um, but we do know that, that when she called my dad, this is another safety tip. Um, she told my dad exactly where she was going. She told my dad, uh, that she was showing property, uh, that specific house. Then my, my dad was actually familiar with that home too. Um, and she told him the, the time of the showing, and that she'd pick up dinner with her, her $50 raffle winnings, um, afterwards. <laughs> and, um, I'll tell you when my mom got to the house that day, she got there early, which is amazing and rare. So those of you that are new agents get in that amazing, um, practice of getting to your properties early. Not only is it good professionalism, but it's good for your safety as well. Um, but my mom got there early and, um, there are a number of safety reminders that we can kind of interject here about, you know, kind of doing a quick threat analysis to see if anyone could be, you know, lurking anywhere or, you know, it, as best you can tell if there have been any forced entry or not letting your car get blocked in and uh, the driveway, those types of things. But I'll tell you, this is the most, probably the most important thing what I'm, I'm going to say is coming right up. And that is that the husband got to the property first. And he gets out of his car and he starts in with the excuses and, you know, the, the I'm so sorry, my wife got caught up at work. She's not gonna be able to join us today. And because there were so few pictures online of this house, if you would just go ahead and show the house to me. And as you walk through the property, if you will pull out your cell phone and just text photos to my wife, it will be a, it'll give her, you know, an, a, better indication of what the interior of this house looks like and it'll be give her the opportunity to ask questions and uh, be as though she's on this showing um virtually kind of digitally and and about that time my mom gets a text message from the wife with mirroring that story like hey girl so sorry do you mind taking photos and going to this property and did they um, tell you this the couple did they tell this after the fact yeah, so um, the we some of it was put together with phone records. Okay, and then um, ultimately the wife ended up taking a plea deal, and kind of in in exchange for her truthful testimony, got a lighter sentence. Um, so we were able to piece some of this together. Okay, but um, really, probably the most telling thing I discovered on my own, right? Um, and that was at the conclusion of the trial, um, and it is awful. Um, my mom's cell phone was found in, in the home of these bad people. And, um, okay. So she, uh, so she agreed and she started, she did, she did. And so as sending she sending the through, wife pictures, yes, she, she's walking into the house. She's, um, 
taking taking photos, texting them to the wife, having a conversation with the wife. And, um, you know, kind of to that point of my mom's phone being found at the bad guy's house, the last 10 photos on my mom's camera roll were of the interior of this home. And so it was after taking that last photograph that my mom turned and uh, she was met by that husband that had a taser in her side and um, a roll of the most ridiculous lime green duct tape. I don't know if you guys have kids that like craft time with, you know, duct right. tape. It's, it's, it's that silly, absurd, you know, like you just Bright see green. these rolls of duct tape and you just think of silly craft time. You don't think of it being capable of, of kidnapping your mom. Right. Um, but uh, that bad guy, he, um, he took that tape and after tasing my mom and, um, he did a solid row of that tape kind of around her head over her eyes and around her head over her mouth. He taped her hands behind her back and her ankles together. Um, he then went outside and uh, got in his car and turned it around and backed it up to the house and opened the trunk of the car and went back inside. And I, you know, kind of to your point of like, how do you put, how do you piece some of these things together? How do you know that they happen? And like, here's another safety tip. Like we know all those things happen with this young Caucasian male walks out of the house, two cars being there, he gets in his car, he backs it up, he opens up the trunk. We know all of that because the next door neighbor saw every bit of that. Happen. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And so it was like, you don't want to be that, that neighbor that feels intrusive or like you're being nosy. And so you hate to say something. And so truly this is a, a situation that saying something in the moment really would have made a big difference. Um, but that, that bad guy, um, took my sweet mom and put her in the trunk of that car. And I will tell you, it is, I can say the words. I'm thankful that my brain doesn't actually let me process those words, but I'll tell you all, anyone listening to this, it is one thing to watch a movie or to see a CSI and you see people put in the trunk of the car, but whenever you know that your loved ones or potentially you could be, it's, it's a very, uh, it's obviously very upsetting. Yeah. Um, and even more upsetting and just, you know, it's, it's, it's to know that these people, you know, they were, they were pretending to be from out of town when they were actually, or out of state when they were actually just across town. Uh, but knowing that from within our own community, there were people capable of doing this type of crime. And not only was it bad enough that he put my mom in the trunk of that car, but he also, um, before he closed the, the trunk, he, he pulls out his cell phone and he takes a picture of my mom in the trunk of that car. And he texted it to his wife, and uh, we can only guess that he did that to kind of show the wife that their plan of kidnapping this rich woman for 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 financial gain um, was was in play. Um, and you know, from there, uh, my so mom's did he lock up the house and everything? Was the house locked back up? And um, so you know, one thing that that um, was weird is that he he thought to, when we found this out much, much later, he thought to swipe the kitchen counters clean. So all those realtor business cards for all those agents that had shown that property, yeah. um, he kind of, he got rid of all of that evidence. There was no sign that any agent had ever been there. 
this particular property did not. Uh, so we we are a community that has lockboxes. Right. But this uh, this particular house didn't have one. It had a combo lock. Um, so it didn't really have the tracking capabilities. Um, but I'll tell you what he didn't do. What he forgot is that he, you know, and you ladies know this, you know, I, whenever I'm in a, a room with ladies, I always say, you know, whether it's for safety or just convenience, ladies don't show properties with a purse on their shoulder right. unless they're packing heat. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but as you know, in general rule, you just don't want it in the way. Yeah. And, um, and also it's a good safety thing. You don't want your purse snatched. And, um, my mom, that absolutely applied to my mom. She had left her purse and that paper client file that I used to make fun of her for. Those were locked in her car. And so if you can imagine, like when, when my dad ultimately went, goes over to that property to kind of check in on her, it's like, there's a vacant home. The door wasn't locked. But here's my mom's car, and he can see my mom's purse through the windows um, and all of her things. And it was just, it was literally like she just disappeared. Right. And um, that's that's a feeling, I'll say, I, you know, there are a lot of people that are like, I can't imagine what you're going through. And I'm like, absolutely, sure you can. You're human. Like, we, we have feelings, and we can relate to one another. But the feeling of someone that you love so much just disappearing, the confusion and hopelessness of that is something that's really hard to relate to. Okay. But it's, as you can imagine, awful. Um, my mom, um, if I haven't emphasized enough, was lovely and precious. Um, but, you know, one thing I don't think I emphasized enough was that before she went into that property that day, you guys probably had it while I'm telling the story. I have it every time I tell the story. It's like she had that burning feeling in her gut. We know she did mm -hmm. because we had an agreement. And now all of a sudden you're flipping the script on me. You're mm -hmm. changing our agreement. And so I have a decision to make. Do I show the property or not? They gave a compelling enough reason for her to continue to do that. Um, but, um, you know, it just. I just, I hope more than ever that, that people that listen to my mom's story will feel empowered to, if you find yourself in a position where, you know, that, that instinct is kind of flashing at you, that, that you get creative and, you know, maybe it's not, you run to your car as quick as you can and get the hell out of there. Maybe it is, but maybe it's just that you insist that, that, that person go toward the property alone, that you'd be outside because Lord knows with that particular property, um, there wouldn't have been a thing that they could harm or take in, you know, being right. on their own. Another point before I kind of tell you the rest of the story is that it's really important to remember the first time my mom saw or had planned to actually see these clients face to face was going to be at the, that property that day. And so, you know, that's why I am so big on pushing for and insisting upon that that new client consult in a public place and I get as much as anybody that it seems like every client I deal with my real estate office is not convenient to meeting them like ever mm -hmm. and that's unfortunate because <laughs> our office is amazing um so you know I if it's a Starbucks it's a Starbucks 
but uh, but I'm so insistent upon it because so many of these these criminals they commit the crimes that they they do because they feel they they wouldn't do it if they didn't think they could get away with it, and so if you strip them of their anonymity by meeting in a public place and by insisting upon ID. Um, it really becomes a huge deterrent um, for them. And, you know, we have things in place now. I mean, honestly, had my mom had just a driver's license and uh, a simple Google search, she could have realized that she may not have caught all seven felonies, but she would have caught at least some of the some of the seven felonies that the, the husband bad guy actually had on his record. Um, another thing that that I want to to kind of alert everybody to is that in my mom's case, we talked earlier about how they had called, text, emailed her. We could take, while we're on this podcast today, we could take 60 seconds and any of us could create a new email account with any old crazy name we want to to match a story. So we can't, if John Smith is calling you and he's emailing you from John Smith at AOL, um, then... AOL, man, that was a throwback. Hello. But yeah, don't don't let an email, a name and an email address uh, be a, a verifier of identification. Also, and I'm sure you guys know this in your market, you know, how we're getting all these local calls. And so you answer like hoping it's a lead, but it's actually someone trying to solicit to yeah, you, a, yes. like a call center or something. It's like, why? Right. And so just the opposite happened with my mom's case. They used an app um, called, the name of the app was called Text Me. And what it did is it provided the the bad guys with a spoof number. So as they called and as they text my mom, she was getting an, she was getting an out-of-state number that kind of helped further their story of them being out-of-state. Wow. When, in fact, mm. they were just right across town. That is crazy. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Uh, uh, I mean, so they they really did some planning. They did, they did, and you know, there's there's really kind of when we think about realtor safety, um, there are two things that we really have to prepare for, and one is like what happened to my mom, where it, it was predatory in nature, and you can really ward off a lot of that through the screening. The second are um, the second type, of course, of crime is going to be just an opportunity of crime. That's going to be someone seizes they they're they're driving by an open house, and they see an opportunity um, to to act. And so, uh, yeah, there are different things that, that we have to do. I could talk all day on that. Yeah. But um, back to my sweet mom, so that everybody just knows kind of the rest of the story. There is that my mom was taken um, after she immediately after she was kidnapped to a remote area and um, she was made to do a video that was going to be sent to my dad and that was their plan send a series of videos to the husband via this spoof number and then have this have this rich husband um which is so laughable i wish you guys like knew my family like (laughs) it's just not the case um and have this husband Take all of this family wealth and push it to the cards that were on, that were in the real estate agent's purse. And so what they would do is take all of those cards and then just utilize them. And they had a skimmer and they were going to uh, pull the money um, kind of that way. Not like a ransom where it's like, you know, unmarked bills. Right. Square. They were going to try to get all this money digitally. 
but you might already be thinking of a hole in their plan. The plan falls apart whenever in your haste to kidnap the realtor, you forget her purse that she's left locked in her car. Right. So the plan from the second he drove off that day, the plan was already ruined. And he had no idea. He actually, he had taken her and made her do uh, that ransom request. And, and, or, and really that first recording that my mom did, it was just telling my, my dad that she was okay and essentially telling him not to call the cops. And so it was a primer for future videos to come. And uh, that video wasn't actually, that was never delivered to my dad. That was played later in the interrogation process. So y'all never got any videos? No, we didn't. Uh, we, we have actually never even seen that video. We've only heard it because the bad guy played it during the interrogation process. He was trying to use it as a bargaining tool. Um, yeah, just monster, monster of a person. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's so hard for my, my poor dad to hear on this, this side of it. You know, my dad kind of blames himself because he's like, had I known that, that I shouldn't have called the cops, I wouldn't have called the cops. You know, and it's just like, Dad, you did nothing wrong. Yeah. Um, but I'll say um, what, what happened from there is that, you know, they, they take my mom back to their home and they lock her up in their master bathroom. And then it's this, this realization and it's this freak out that wait, this plan can't work without her purse. And later kind of confessed that all without her purse, all this, this lady has on her is that literally, and it makes me cringe, but that $50 that she had told my dad she won in that office raffle, she had that in her pocket that day. And so that was really all they were able to get off of her. Oh my gosh. And so there's this freak out moment, like, okay, this plan's ruined. So, wait, let's just go back out and get the purse. And then we'll kick this plan off. Well, they never anticipated that everyone everyone knew where Beverly was going to be. And so that night, I remember I was out there where, you know, it's like I was telling you guys, it was like early fall, so it was like getting cold at night, and we're all like huddled around, and, and we're like, we're going through, at that point, we were just real estate family members. We weren't in the business. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to do like any of your family members would do, you know, God forbid something happened to you where they're like using their real estate knowledge that they've been, you know, that you've imparted to try to build scenarios that make you okay. And so we were like, okay, well, maybe she got in the car with them, even though we know you never get in the car with a client. And, and it's just bad form anyway. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just, all of these different scenarios are trying to make her okay. And uh, the later it got, you know, the, you, you start kind of running out of those scenarios that kind of make her okay. And uh, I remember that night, you know, it was after midnight and uh, standing around cold, confused, and seeing headlights off in the distance. And on this side of it now, you know, we know because that person was stopped and questioned by, by a, a detective that was out on the scene that night. It was the bad guy. Wow. And he was coming back out there for the purse. And he was questioned about his knowledge of a local um, real estate agent that had gone missing. And, of course, he denied everything. But what he did from there is that, like so many of these criminals, is that they, they feel like they have the best, brightest plan. They're going to make so much money. And then they see blue lights. 
and they freak out because they don't want to go back to prison. And so they make these these huge leaps to to in my mom's case, let's just take everything that she has on her physically of excuse me, of value and let's um and then let's just end her life. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they got that 50 bucks. They got it. You know, it makes sense that they would take her jewelry, you know, in stories like this. But I'll tell you, these people were so awful that they they even took some of my mom's articles of clothing that she was wearing. Um, I don't say this to upset anybody, but it's just the reality of some of the people that walk among There's us. There's some desperate um, people out is, there. You know, my mom's shirt that she was wearing that day when she was showing property was found hanging in the closet of the wife. So um, weird. Awful. Awful. Um, and so they, uh, anyway, they took my mom, you know, still bound by that green tape and um, took her to, I, I keep saying a remote spot. You guys are going to think every single spot in Arkansas is remote, which it kind of is, but, um, but they, they took her to another spot in town, um, outskirts of town and left her for a number of hours before coming back and, um, to end her life. And, and when they did, uh, end her life, they just, they took, uh, the husband took that, that tape, that absurd lime green duct tape that she had been abducted with, uh, he just took strips of that. Well, initially he took that and just began wrapping it around um, my mom's head in an attempt to to suffocate her. And uh, when that was unsuccessful, he uh, mm-hmm. he began tearing strips of that tape and applying them to her face. Uh, and so my sweet, precious, perfect mom uh, died by by suffocation. Uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, these this husband and wife were caught. Thankfully, my mom's body was found. Uh, they did bury my mom, and so um, I'm very thankful that that the investigators were able to piece things together because no one was ever cooperative in the process of finding my mom. Uh, it took very very strong investigators to do that. Uh, but so the wife took a plea deal, and so in exchange for her truthful testimony against her own husband in their crime to to you know get this ransom from this realtor you know gone wrong and, and murder her, they uh, she got thirty years in prison with the possibility of parole in about twenty one years. So that's about nineteen years from now she'll be up for parole. Unfortunately. Um, I didn't go into many of the details related to her role in this, but she was truly a very vile person and had a very a very strong part in the planning and execution of, mm-hmm. of this. Uh, the husband, uh, for his role, um, he got two life sentences without the possibility of parole, so he is in prison serving two life sentences. Um, and uh, we don't have well, one would think you wouldn't have to worry. Yeah, about we him. hope. Our, our, uh, our, you know, we, we do have some some opportunities for improvement in our justice system. So yes. uh, we've been back to court with him a number of times. He sued the interrogator, or the uh, yeah, those that 
the detectives that interrogated him for being too rough. He sued the prison guards for being too rough. He appealed the court in my mom or the to the court in my mom's case and lost. And uh, most recently, from within prison, who knew you could do this? But he has um, researched and identified African American federal judges across the country. He is mailing them death threats mm-hmm. in an attempt to get a federal charge so that he can get out of an Arkansas state prison. So. Um, yeah, the journey doesn't seem to end with, with this particular guy. But um, I'll tell you, um, after, after, in the aftermath of losing my mom, the bad guys, you guys know, kind of the, there is this beautiful power of the media. Um, and they were so, it was, it was an integral part of keeping heat on our case and finding my mom. It was a big part in rallying realtors to come out and search for her because my mom was missing for five days before she was found. And, um, hundreds of realtors, not just within our area. I mean, some came from your state and, uh, to, to help search for her. Um, but also, you know, they, it, it shows all sides. And mm-hmm. so these bad guys, especially the husband, had quite the mouthpiece in the media and, um, you know, did some harmful things. So I started speaking out and I was like, hey, you know, here's my mom's story. Here's the, the precious lady that she was, the mm-hmm. professional that she was. Um, and I was like that kid on the playground. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, at ripe old age of 34, I think at that time. And I was just I was just taking up for my mom. And what, what I've found is that that's, that's led me to this moment talking to you is that it, as I started having these conversations, I learned that we could, we could learn so much from my mom's story. So much. And as, as you're going to find too, like, and I hope that anybody listening to this will engage with all of us and just, there's so many agents out there that have stories. Right. And yes, you know, what happened to my mom may in, in many respects be a lightning strike, but there are agents that have all types of stories from times that they felt vulnerable at, a, at an open house to times that they've been victimized through harassment, stalking, mm-hmm. some handsy creep, you know, someone stealing prescription drugs from an open house, you know, the, the, yes. the list goes on and on. And so it is, it's really kind of reinforced, um, Kind of what we're doing, um, you know, in my sweet mom's name and all to, to help keep everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Well, Carl, we want to be respectful of your time. And I feel like we could sit here all day. <laughs> we could. Yes. I kind of feel like we need a part two. I, I really do. Would you be open to that? Yeah. And you know what? I would love for us to sit down. Like I have this list of this running list of things that I've learned, like safety tips, yes. my favorite technology, um, safety technology. We could sit down and do a part two and talk through all that Let's stuff. Let's do yes. a part love, two. would love that. That's awesome. I mean, you're amazing. Yes. I'm just, no, thank, thank you, you for sharing. It's so important. It's so yeah. important. And we normally end every episode with a toast and cheers to somebody else's success but we're just going to take a 10 second moment of silence right now to just reflect on what we've been talking about and to remember Beverly so thank you so much Carl Be sure to tune in next week for part two of our interview with Carl Carter.